Let us look together at our passage that we'll be studying this morning, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. Subject we'll be dealing with this morning is faith that pleases God, chooses God. Faith that pleases God chooses God over all things. Faith's choice, uh, as we will see from our outline, faith's choice is the main point. Faith makes a choice. Faith is choosing. The sub points under that is faith chooses not to fear man. This is faith that chooses God. Faith that chooses God chooses not to fear man. It chooses to suffer, and it chooses the greater wealth of Christ. Look with me at the text. This is God's word, God's holy word. Look and see what God has to say to us. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Because he saw that the child, because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. May God bless his word to us here this morning. Life, if you're a believer, life for you is a series of choices. That's that's what life for you is all about. You are making choices every moment, every second of the day. You're making a choice whether to obey God and glorify Christ or you're making a choice for yourself. Life is a series of choices. By faith, at times, the choices that you may have to make may be costly. You may have to choose to to do something for God where there is no example. There, There is no example of anybody having to do what I am faced with the choice to do. This is when your belief in God and your belief in his promises in Christ are put on display. Many believers have a pragmatic faith, a faith that needs to, I need to see some kind of 
of sign before I step out and do what I know God is calling me to do. The writer of Hebrews is exhorting us not to a pragmatic faith, not to a passive faith that just sits back and I'll pray about it. He's calling us to a active faith. There are many who desire comfort and ease and, and, and will never do anything that might cause them some temporary pain. Something that may cause them to have to step out of the closet of ease. Such Christians are all taught, always on the sideline. I think of my time in the military. You know when I knew when a, a soldier had, when he had transitioned, I knew when he had stepped out front. I could see it in his daily activity. He did things without being told. He he would go and if somebody in the section was struggling, he would go and help them shine their boots without being told. He would iron and start his uniform. He would make sure that he was looking good. He would go and take the initiative to do things that he knew needed to be done. The Christian life. It's just that way. When we're called to follow Christ, we're called to step out, not to step back. Right of Hebrews, he's exhorting these Hebrew Christians to, 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 to step out and to maintain the confession of faith that they hold. And part of confessing Christ is living for Christ. It is doing the hard thing. This is what the Hebrew writer is all like. This is what he's after. He's after these believers and exhorting them and exhorting us. God, the Holy Spirit is exhorting us through these testimony of the saints to live a life of active faith in Christ, looking to Christ, trusting in Christ. Believing in Christ, relying upon Christ. Even if it's costly. Even if it's going to cost us comfort and ease. Even if we have to give up all that we own. Beloved. If you have to do that, and you will, you are called to that. Take up your cross and follow Jesus Christ. If you do that, as you do that, when you do that, you're not losing anything because you have Christ. You have Christ. And so the choice that the writer wants us to make is a choice to embrace Christ and the promises of God 
for all our life and to step out and to step out and to do those things that are hard. This, this writer is shepherding. This is what a, being a shepherd is all about. Being a shepherd is shepherding the people of God to give their lives for Jesus Christ. And this is what the writer is doing. Look with me at our text. Faith choice. Faith makes a choice. Faith that chooses God chooses not to fear man. We'll see this in verse number 23. And first, as we start, we'll see here, we'll consider the faith of Moses' parents. Look with me at verse 23. The author begins, he says that the faith, he looks at the faith that, that Moses' parents expressed. He says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. Before this took place, before Moses' parents hid him in Exodus 1, no doubt you're familiar with this, we know that uh, there was a, a, a Pharaoh that came to power in Egypt that did not know Joseph. He came to power and, 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 and he, he, it says that, that he didn't know Joseph. And during this time, the Israelites, they, they prospered as a, as a people. They grew in numbers. But Pharaoh was concerned about this. He, he, he was concerned that as the, the people of Israel grew in number, he was concerned that they might revolt. They might rebel. And so what did he do? He appointed taskmasters over them. He, he appointed taskmasters over them and worked them like slaves, worked them hard, made their life miserable. This is Exodus chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And despite this hardship, <laughs> despite Pharaoh's desire to stem the growth of the nation of Israel, despite this, despite hardship, they kept multiplying. So like the church of Jesus Christ, the more you press the church down, the more you persecute the church, we see in the book of Acts, the more the church grows. The people of God continued to grow, even though Pharaoh tried to stem their growth. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, we learn that Pharaoh issues an edict for every male. You familiar with this? He, he issues an, an edict for, for every male Hebrew baby to be killed. In Exodus 1, 22, he it says he commanded all his people. He commanded this, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile. But you shall let every daughter live. Can, can you imagine this? 
This is true. This is real. We're not reading a fairy tale. I hope you're giving your attention to this. This is not a fairy tale. This is real. He said, every son cast into the Nile. Can you imagine giving your infant over to Pharaoh to put him to death just because Pharaoh said so? Reminds me of what President Biden just said the other day. This is what he said, quote. There is no such thing as someone else's child. No such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all our children. End quote. That should concern you. Parents. Children. The world wants you. And they're not, they don't want you because they want to celebrate your life. What's behind the world's motive? Listen, beloved. What's behind the world's motives? What's behind the world philosophies? What's behind the world's wisdom? It's not the wisdom of God. It's not the wisdom of God. What's behind the world's wisdom is the wisdom of the prince of this world. And you know who that is. Satan. And his desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. This is nothing new. This is, it, it happened during Jesus' time when Jesus was born. Happening during our time. Happened during the time of the people of God. Pharaoh wanted every male child that was a baby dead. Talking about making a choice. Now we're going to turn, let's turn to he, uh, to Exodus chapter two. And, and 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 let's look at Moses' parents and the choice they made to choose God. Moses' parents, Aram and jo, uh, Jochebed. Aram and Jochebed is Moses' parents. They're not mentioned here, but this, those are his parents. Verses 1 and 3 recounts his birth. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took his wife, a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. When she could no longer, uh, when she could hide him, him no longer, uh, Moses was born, he's a little baby, and no doubt, what do little babies do? They cry. And so, 
she, uh, uh, her and her husband was concerned about this. And so it says when she could no longer hide, uh, when she could hide him no longer, she took him, uh, she took for him a basket made of bulrush and dabbed it with bitum, uh, bitum, uh, bitum and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. They made a, a difficult choice. By faith, we remember, you know, remember Abraham, remember we studied that a couple weeks ago, made a difficult choice to offer up his son, Isaac. Here, the parents of Moses, they offered up, in a sense, their son to God. They hid him for three months. And when, when they could no longer do this, the, the, the writer of Hebrews says, by faith, when he was born, because they saw the, the child was beautiful, they hid it. They, they, they hid him. They, 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 let's turn back to Hebrews chapter 3. Keep your hand there, but turn back to Hebrews chapter 11. There was something special about Moses. There was something unique about Moses. The writer of Hebrews says, because they saw that the child was beautiful. Of course, every parent thinks that their child is beautiful, right? Every parent that, that and mother and father that, that have a, a newborn baby, oh, that's a beautiful baby. Other people might not think so, but the parents think so. So, so th- th- this had to mean that, not, that, that, that they saw something special. God opened their eyes to, to see something special and unique about Moses. And I say this because Stephen added this in Acts chapter 7, verse 20. He said that at this time Moses was born and was and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. Stephen mentions this and and, and says that he was beautiful in in God's sight. And so in some way, God probably revealed to, to Moses' parents that he had a special that he had a special purpose for Moses. And and knowing this, they hid him for three months. Now, look at look at verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 11. Look at the end of the verse. And it says this. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. This is a work of God's grace in the heart of the parents of Moses. This, this, this work of grace that caused them not to fear the king's edict. It, it flowed from a knowledge of who God is and the promises of God. Moses' parents believed in Jehovah God. Their, their faith in him overcame the fear of the king's edict. They, they knew and believed that God would Uh, had promised that God had promised to deliver his people from the land of bondage and that they would inherit the land of Canaan. And they clung to that promise 
They displayed the type of faith that that the writer of Hebrews has defined in verse one. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. They believed in what God has promised and they would not dare give their child over to Pharaoh to die. So they made the a choice of faith. It was a difficult choice, a choice of faith. And they would not allow the, the, the king of Egypt to stand in the way of the fulfillment of what God has promised. They refused to give in to the king's mandate. Instead, they trusted in they trusted Moses, Moses to God's care. They took their little baby, put him in a basket, made sure that it was prepared to float on the Nile, and they put him in the Nile River. And by God's providence, What you meant for evil, God means it for good, Joseph said. In God's providence, he was discovered. This has never happened before. Parents, the, the Israelite parents has never had to put their child on the Nile River. They did it by faith. And in God's providence, he was discovered by Pharaoh's daughter and she rescued him from the Nile. <laughs> she adopted Moses to be her son. And since he was a baby, y'all know the story, she unknowingly paid Moses' mother to nurse Moses' mother. You talking about God, the, 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 the sovereign power and knowledge of God working behind the scenes. Pharaoh's own daughter, the one who made the edict to destroy all the male children, his daughter took care of baby Moses. That should make you want to shout. Shout because our God is God. She paid Moses' mother to nurse him and raise him as a youth, perhaps from three to, 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 uh, from, from, uh, to age three to, to age 12, some will say. Time is uncertain, but, but she, she gave Moses back to his mother, aunt, mother and father unknowing by the providence of God. And, and no doubt they would have faithfully taught him about Jehovah, about his promises, about his people. John MacArthur noted in reference to this, he said, quote, talking about Moses, he would, he would receive the full training of the Jewish home. He added, however long he stayed, however many years, Jochebed was able to raise her own son. And it was long enough to instill him with the great truths that were Israel's promise, promises from God that they 
not only would leave Egypt, but that God had promised them a great deliverer someday and that he knew well the, the great Abrahamic covenant of a great nation, a great seed. And through them, the world would be blessed and the land would belong to them. And all of this undoubtedly was drilled into little Moses, end quote. <laughs> Beloved, our God is awesome. Our God directs everything according to his sovereign will and good pleasure. And we see in this passage, even Pharaoh's daughter was subjected to him. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 10, it says, when, he, when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. In Acts chapter 7, verses 20 and 21, Stephen said, and when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. So not only was Moses' mother raising him, there came a time when Pharaoh's daughter raised him. And Stephen says, and Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And he was mighty in his words and deeds. Moses was also raised as a prince of Egypt. And I want you to notice something again. We don't uh, bring this up again. It's amazing to think that that wicked men try to interfere with God's plan. They can never succeed. They may tell you something about your child that is not found in the word of God. This is the way that wicked men operate. But as a child of God, if God has a purpose and plan for your child and he does, what they do would never truly succeed. Never succeed. Despite Pharaoh's murderous command to kill all the Hebrew baby boys, God orchestrated the event so that the, the rescue, there was a rescue by Pharaoh's own daughter. She intervened. The, the uh, Old Testament commentary, one of the Old Testament commentaries that I use, listen, listen to what they said about it. I mean, you just got to just got to notice, got to got to notice. He said the birth, talking about the birth and education of Moses, said while Pharaoh was urging forward the extermination of the Israelites, God was preparing their emancipation. According to the divine purpose, the murderous edict of the king was to lead to the training and preparation of the human deliverer of Israel, end quote. <laughs> it reminds me of Psalm chapter two, verses one through four. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? 
the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven laughs. Pharaoh issued this edict and called thinking that, that his will is going to be done. Moses' parents. Moses was saved because of the faith of his parents. The, his parents' faith acted. And what this teaches us is that true faith acts, beloved. Instead of sitting back, waiting on a miracle, there will come a time when true faith relies upon God and takes action through the most suitable means. And it may cost you something. It may cost you something. But true faith acts. True faith don't presume on God. It doesn't presume on it doesn't sit back. It's not passive. Presume I'm just gonna pray about it and let God do everything. Think about evangelism. People, many believe in evangelism, but no, don't take action. True faith takes action. It chooses not to fear me. Not only that, true faith, that the faith that chooses God chooses to suffer. It chooses to suffer over the pleasure of sin. We find this in 20, uh, verses 24 and 25. Notice in verse 24, by faith, Moses when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And this would mean he had access to the finest education. The finest food. The finest wealth. All the best that Egypt had to offer. He would have enjoyed privileges of status and power. He, he would have lived a stress-free life. A stress-free life in contrast to his country who were slaves. And so the writer of Hebrews says when he was grown up, he's been now, he's lived for 40 years. He's reached adulthood. And it, it is now that he's going to make a critical decision. He, he, he has reached a critical point of a decision. He, must, he, he now makes a decision. And by the, the working of God's grace in his heart, the writer Hebrew says when he was grown, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. For 40 years, he, he's enjoyed the pleasures of Egypt, the pleasures of sin, the pleasures of the world, the, the flesh and, and Egypt. And, and he had all of, he, in a sense, he, not, he he had all of that at his disposal. It was right there for, for the taking. It was his. And what did he do? He rejected it all. He refused to identify with Egypt. Instead, what did he do? Notice what he chose in verse 25. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting 
pleasures of sin. By faith, Moses chose hardship with the people of God over the riches of Egypt. And despite all the privileges that he had, the privileges of his upbringing as an Egyptian and, and the education, he declared himself as one with the Hebrew slaves. Just want to take a moment to mention our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He left heaven, came to earth, and he came as a slave for you and I. And so Moses, a type of Christ, chose to identify with the people of God. He, he, he declared himself one with them rather than indulging in the sinful pleasures of Egypt. And we, we see his faith acting. Of course, Stephen says this in Acts chapter 7, verse 24. He said uh, of, of, of uh, Moses, when he defended one of the Hebrew slaves who were, who were being beaten, Stephen said, and seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man. And, and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. In verse 25, Stephen goes on. He says, he supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. Moses saw himself as God's appointed deliverer of the nation. And so he acted. He killed an Egyptian. But he wasn't ready yet. He, he, he would be the deliverer, but he, he needed some more training. He needed to go into the wilderness. And that's a, no, a whole nother uh, sermon in and of itself, how God prepares. God prepares his people. It's a lifetime. It just says a a. a the life of faith is a lifetime of making choices. The life of faith is a lifetime of being prepared by God to serve him. And so the writer says, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. The writer of Hebrew says that Moses believed that the Egyptian pleasures of sin were fleeting. They were for a time or they were temporary. The pleasures of the world are temporary. Children, the pleasures of the world, the pleasures of the flesh are temporary. They feel good. They promise you everything. But it's only temporary. You give yourself over to the pleasures of sin. And what you will find is that it will call you back again and again and again and again. And, again. 
because they never really fulfill you. Moses understood that the pleasure of sin is, is, is temporary. The pleasure, no, 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 don't get me wrong, the, the pleasures that God has given us, they're not wrong in and of themselves. Don't, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that if you give yourself over to them, the, there, there are allurements and temptations that these things, if you emphasize them, if you place emphasis of, of your life on them, they can stir temptations, the temptations in your heart. And these things can, these pleasures, which are good, can lead to, to lust in your heart and they can draw you away from God and, and your calling as a believer in this world. All of us, I don't care who you are. You're always under constant pressure from the flesh and the world. Each and every one of you, I know that. I don't have to talk to you to know that. I know that because the scripture says. It. And we're to always remember this is the fight. This is a fight we're always in. We're always Paul said the good. He said, he said, the, as 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 I desire to do good. Evil is present with me. Evil is present with the one who wills to do good. Only the arrogant would say that's not true. Moses understood. He understood that the, 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 the flesh, the world, it promises a lot but delivers a little. And the enjoyment that it offers is only for a season. Let's think about Moses turning his back on all the all the things that Egypt offered. Can you imagine the ridicule? Can you imagine the scorn that he went through? The, the, the friends that he perhaps made as he was growing up in Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh's daughter's household. He's, turned, he's identifying with the slaves of Israel. Can you imagine the scorn? What, is, what, what his friends are saying about him as he, as he turned his back on all of that? You going to give that up? Turn to First Peter chapter four. First Peter chapter four. 1 Peter chapter four, verses one through seven is what I'll read. It says, Peter says to these suffering believers, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time, for the time that 
is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles uh, doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensual sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drunk, uh, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you don't join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though uh, judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. You will be maligned. No doubt Moses was maligned and probably talked about because of the decision he made. But he understood he had something greater. Faith chooses God that chooses God chooses the greater wealth of Christ over the treasures of the world. Look at verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt. Moses made a decision. This decision was not an impulsive or emotional decision. He considered his faith calculated carefully and weigh in the balance what the world had to offer on one side and what identifying with the people of God would mean. And he concluded that the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth, uh, a greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. What is meant by the reproach of Christ? Did Moses know Christ like we know him? No, he, he doesn't know him like we we know him. And I think the, uh, Donald Guthrie was insightful. Listen to what he says about this. He says, quote, the author of Hebrews tells us here that all, he's talking about the, the, the sufferings, all the sufferings of God's people, God's people are in some way linked was suffering on behalf of the Messiah, the perfect representative of God. All that Moses suffered was in the cause of God's plan of salvation for his people, culminating in the abuse that was heaped on Christ himself, of which the writer acutely conscious, uh, is acutely conscious of throughout this epistle, end quote. He, the, remember, that the, the Hebrews that the writer is writing to wanted to turn back to the old covenant. Want to turn back to the old covenant, to, 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 to Abraham, to, 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 to Moses, and the law. They, they wanted to go, go back to all of that as a way of pleasing God. And the writer points them in this passage said, and he said, look, even Moses himself was serving Christ. You about to turn your back on Christ and Moses himself was suffering for Christ. 
He's getting his point across of the preeminence of Christ. Look at the end of verse 26. It says, for he was looking, talking to Moses, he was looking for the reward, looking to the reward. True faith looks ahead. The eyes of faith sees the reality, according to verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11. True faith believes in God and the reward that, that, and, and believe that God rewards those who diligently seek him. Verse six. And by faith to Moses, the treasures of Egypt are worthless and compared to the reward promised by God to the people of Israel, the promise, the future promises of, of the eternal war. So, so, so Moses looked away from Egypt. He looked away from his pleasures from his treasures, and he embraced the mistreatment of God's people. And he did it because of his unwavering faith in the promises of God. He believed that God would deliver his people from Egypt to, to the promised land, and he believed that rather than trusting in riches. He, he believed like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was persuaded of the blessings of the promises to the nation of Israel from God, that these were better. And it sounds like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. We're called to live like Moses. Even though we may face with the choice we make may cause us temporary discomfort. But the suffering, the suffering that we experience in this life cannot be compared to what we will experience in the next life. Paul wrote in Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 17. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an, an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Moses understood something of this. So as I close, faith makes choices. It chooses God's way over man's. Faith enabled Moses' parents to trust God rather than fear Pharaoh. And Moses' parents passed on to him what every child needs, that is, faith in God and it was the the his the, the faith in God that enabled Moses to choose God to choose to suffer with the people of God to 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 choose to 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 embrace the the reproach of Christ the insults of Christ it was faith that enabled Moses to 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 do this and to choose in a sense, the treasure of heaven, chose, he chose Christ. The seed of the seed of Abraham. 
Why do you choose to do what you do? Why do you choose to resist the pleasures and the prosperity of the world? I hope it's not only because God said so. Because that's not going to last long. It didn't last the rich young ruler. The, the, the rich young ruler went to Christ and said, Master, tell me what I need to do to inherit eternal life. And Christ gave him some commands. And he said, I've done these things. I've obeyed these things. And Christ gave him a choice. Take up your, go sell all that you have. Oh, you, oh, you've been obedient? Go sell all that you have. Take up your cross and follow me. He couldn't do it. He, he, was, he said he was obedient, but he did not want to give up the things of the world. Why? Because he did not treasure Christ. Part of our desire to obey should include our love for Jesus Christ. The rich young ruler revealed that he didn't treasure Christ over all things. He was just religious. He was just legalistic. He didn't love Christ with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Is that you? Perhaps you're even thinking right now, you're not thinking about Christ. Examine your heart. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you make us seek satisfaction in Christ and couple that with our obedience to Christ. May our obedience be rooted and built upon our love for Christ and his love for us displayed upon that cross. Father, we thank you. We ask that you will help us, help us by your grace that you give in Christ to turn our backs on the world and the temptations of the world and the desires that uh, pop up in our flesh enable us to turn away from those things to Jesus Christ. We, the, the very fact that some of your people perhaps are even struggling, even right now, show the necessity of Christ. It shows the necessity of our union with Christ. It shows the need of the grace that we have available in Christ. 
We need Christ. We need to know something of his love because if we don't know it, we'll easily give ourselves over to the temptations of the flesh. We'll easily give ourselves over to pride of the flesh. Stir in our hearts love for Jesus Christ, true love, genuine love, a love that saturates everything that we do. So that we can make the hard choice, the hard choice when you call us to do that thing which is difficult. That thing that just makes us uncomfortable. Give us love. Love, the, 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 the love for Christ uh, and a comprehension of his love for us. Give us that, 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 that understanding so that, so that we can live and walk in a way that is worthy of the calling that we have in Jesus Christ. You didn't call us to play Christians. You called us to follow Christ with all of our heart. And we need your help to do that. We thank you that that help is available in Christ. Even now. Thank you, Father, for your grace in Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen.